Hi and welcome back to another edition of Tap Talks HR. My guest today is Mark McKenna-Coles, Global Diversity and Inclusion Manager at Lloyd's of London. Hi Mark, welcome to the podcast. Hi, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Um, so Mark, we're going to talk about your thinking around diversity and inclusion today. But before we start, do you want to give us a brief overview of you, your role, your experience to date? Yeah, I can do. Um, well, I, I'll be honest with you, my, my whole experience of life really has been quite diverse in itself. Um, I'll go back a, a little bit of time. Um, I have a theatre degree, so I studied uh, drama theatre studies. Um, I then moved in, uh, I worked for Disney for, for several years, um, nearly 10 years actually for Disney. Um, including both here in the UK and in the US on their cruise line. So I worked for them there. Um, and then I then I decided that um, going from Disney to banking. Um, As you do. Which is, which is a, <laughs> obviously a, a great, you know, great mix and, uh, you know. And for me, I worked, I worked in different ways uh, in banking. So from the retail side of things through to business and commercial. And then through, actually through our, uh, the bank's employee uh, networks. Um, I then came um, really interested and had a passion for the DNI agenda. I kind of already done elements in other parts, but my real passion came through there. And then I then joined the DNI team through the through the organisation. Um, and then um, I've kind of moved from there, and now here I am at Lloyd's of London doing a, a global DNI role, which is um, really enjoyable. Um, different challenges. But you know something that I'm 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 still passionate about. Really want to get the journey going. So so you've got some great experience there about actually people. Yeah. But right from the early part is all people experience. Yeah, especially on the cruise line. Um, uh, if I I worked for Disney Cruise Line and there was around sixty different nations that worked on one ship, and so you would manage people in a very different way. So someone from from Japan would, you know, the way that you would um, give them praise would be very different to someone from Brazil or somewhere like that. So you would get to know the differences that people respected and, and you would, it was quite difficult, but it was an interesting sort of way of um, getting to know uh, the global footprint and how different people react to things. So one of the things I learned was, especially with people from Japan, especially the ladies that I work with from Japan, you wouldn't necessarily give praise to them in a group because they wouldn't feel comfortable with that. And you would do that on a more personable level. So, I mean, that's some great experience. And um, here we are now in Lloyd's yes. um, and everything. And we're sitting here in the media room, which I think is a fantastic room, by yeah. the way, anyone listening who needs to visualize that. Um, so let's um, let's have a, a think about DNI. And, and I know we've been talking before we came on live, but where do you see the most important aspects of DNI and the discussion at the moment? So for me, I, I, I see the, the I being the not me, I mean, as in the inclusion element of the DNI agenda, as a real, a real um, something that needs real good headway. Um, I think you know there are a lot of organisations that have started that journey around inclusion, um, but I think there needs to be a lot more uh, momentum in that space, and and that momentum leads into uh, an organisation's culture. So inclusion is 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 heavily linked to the culture of an organization um, a lot of organizations in the past and they still continue to do is to embrace a diverse workforce so that could be through uh, better gender representation ethnicity disability lgbt social mobility etc 
Um, and that's great. And, and I completely, you know, that's where we should be doing. We should be representing the, the communities that we, we work within and serve within as well. But ultimately, are we able to retain that talent? Are we able to attract that talent? And the way to do that is to create that inclusive culture within an organisation that, you know, if you have got a great set of, uh, a good gender representation on a board level, that all voices are being heard around the table. Um, I don't know if you've seen yourself, but there is a great um, Pixar animation short called Pearl, P-U-R-L. Um, and that really um, is something that I've now been using in my um, presentations around DNI within Lloyd's. Um, and it really creates a good discussion around, you know, what what are the key messages that are coming out of that? That you know they're trying to bring in some diversity, but actually the inclusion at the beginning of that particular short is not there. It's the one with the ball of wool, mm -hmm. if I remember right. Yes, yeah, and it's fantastic. And she it? then knits herself to look like everyone else to really <laughs> fit in. And then the realization is is that she doesn't need to do that. She just needs to be authentic, be herself. And if she does that then actually that can also create a change around her as well. And I think inclusion's important because you, you need an inclusive uh, employee base, a, a group of workers inside an organisation, but also, as you rightly say, you need to be showing that externally yep. and right from the top because that is your attraction policy for your next uh, cohort of employees yep. coming in. And if you don't... If you don't exude this a sense of inclusion, then these people will deselect before they even put in an, an application form or apply online. Absolutely, and and you want to make sure that that you know, yeah, the voices are always heard. That 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 people have the ability to think that if they walk into an organisation, that they are going to be listened to on a on a on a regular, you know, on a on a good basis. But also, I think the other part of inclusion, which is is something that I I think is 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 important, is that where you have got a diversity that is very similar. So you may have a not as good a gender split as you, you would like, but inclusion allows those other nuances that people might have to bring that diversity of thought to the table, that, that inclusive mindset around the table. So you might still, and I dare I say it, be white, middle-aged and male, but you might have a different inclusive mindset. Mm. Okay, but having an inclusive culture, you give the, those people the ability to say, "Well, before I was just speaking like everyone else, but actually, I've never wanted to be like that. Mm. I've wanted to bring a different tone to the table. I might look like everyone else, but I want to bring a different tone to the table." So you give that ability as well. And I think if you talk about personality traits and things yeah. like that, and people have to put on almost an act themselves to actually come to work and everything and the, the number of times I, I've done personality profiling mm. uh, as a, a HR professional and, and actually people who are convinced that someone else is like an extrovert mm. but inside they're an in introvert yeah. and it's draining them every single day coming in and acting like an extrovert because that's what, how they need to be perceived inside yeah. an organisation. It's, uh, it's, it's crazy. So, so we're talking about inclusion at a large scale at the moment. Um, how do you think is the best way to get our people to think better around inclusion? Because I know we have touched on in the past in previous conversations unconscious bias. Yeah. And and but I know that you have a view on that one. So you know, unconscious bias training is is good. However, I am not the 
biggest fan and the the reasons for that and I had a conversation with someone earlier on today about this as well so first of all I I, I have seen too much for it to be used as the the only training that is provided when it comes to diversity and inclusion so that everyone believes that okay if we do unconscious bias training it's going to fix everything okay it won't fix everything is an element it's a piece of the jigsaw Okay, so where 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 organisations or people think that it's going to fix everything, that that's kind of where I go a bit, you know, a bit hesitant on that one. The other part is the follow up. So people might use it as a part of their jigsaw, but are they actually following up on that training? Are they actually seeing that there has been an effect from that training as well? So it could be via some of their engagement surveys. It could be through. Um, team talks and, and understanding 360s as well and all those sort of things you know what follow-up is happening off the back of the training and that will be any training and I think sometimes um, when it comes to training in general I think there is always a lack of follow-up when it comes mm. to training you you do something to try to fix something but actually has it really fixed it you might see overall things starting to change but has it really been embedded to make a real difference you know, if I think about um, organisations that I've worked with where there is quite a, divert, a, a um, disper, di dispersed workforce, I'll get my words out right there, <laughs> dispersed workforce, um, you know, landing in diversity and inclusion training might work well in like a head office situation, but then if you're out into sort of like satellite locations, how well is it going to land? Mm. You know, it could be because of the locations that they're in. It could be because they're only having to do the training half an hour before their branch opens, for example, um, and so they do it quickly and then that's it. You know, you don't think about it because the next thing you're worrying about is the hundreds of customers that are walking through your door. It's it's how you then, how what are you doing to really follow up on those as well and making sure it's really truly landing. Because I know full well that you know we can say organisations are inclusive in their approach, line managers are creating inclusive culture but our line managers doing it everywhere mm. you know a line manager in a head office could be brilliant but then a line manager in a branch will have a very different approach to that because of it it's how it's been it's not necessarily been tailored enough towards those different approaches and and, and that for me the tailoring of diversity and inclusion is important and I see that not only in the UK but more on a global scale um, you need to understand what is going to work within those different locations as well. Um, recently I've been speaking to our regional hubs that we have here at Lloyd's and I have a, a, a sort of an overview of what I would like to see around the diversity and inclusion agenda here but for them I've kind of delivered that to them but I also want to come back them to come back to me and say okay what would be fit for purpose in those locations because if I look at places like India or um, Singapore or America or parts of Europe stuff that I would think would be great in the UK is never going to land mm. successfully in those so locations. So it's where the culture starts from isn't it and, yeah. and where you're coming from and, to, and it, there's different challenges yeah. in, in different cultures. And you want to ultimately there will be common themes there mm. always will be common themes I've never not known there be common themes so you can work around those common themes but the way it's delivered um, I had a perfect thing happen in previous organisation where um, we had unconscious bias training actually being delivered on a face-to-face -face basis. 
and that um, unconscious bias training was being delivered by a great organisation, brilliant organisation, and they were going to deliver it using um, the facilitator that delivered it over in the UK. They, we, they were going to go out to, to the location, deliver it, no problem. But it just didn't quite land well over in India. And um, so we had to rethink. And what, in the end, the organisation that we worked with found a more localised facilitator. And it landed perfectly. Mm. Same content, but it was the way it was delivered. So it's almost like a translator. Yeah. A translator. So. Yeah. But they were able to give maybe more, it was more localised examples, mm. how it would really work. And also, you know, different cultures like to be dealing with people from their own culture as well. Mm. Um, and we need to understand all those things. And it's a very complicated minefield when we talk about it on a global scale. Um, and actually, even in the UK, you know, different parts of the country um, like to have certain bits of training delivered in a very different way. So we need to understand on a local level how that will land well. So it's interesting that inclusion training has to almost respect the fact that there's lots of differences between people. Yeah. It's almost ironic in, in yeah. this approach kind of thing, isn't yeah. it? You've got to be inclusive to be inclu you know, to deliver yeah. inclusion. Yeah. Well, yeah. You heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, that's great. And that's looking very much at a holistic area. But I, I know you obviously work in the insurance area currently yeah. and everything. And obviously all our listeners work in different sectors. Mm -hmm. um, but the insurance sector in itself is a, has its uniqueness, I am sure. So yes. thinking about more about now the sector and Lloyd's itself, mm. what are you guys, what are you up to and what, what do you see as the sector needs, etc.? So the sector is, is very unique and there is, there's been a lot of work going on over the last few years and, um, and, and Lloyd's has been at the forefront of, of a lot of that work. And, um, but they've also worked in collaboration with a lot of um, different insurance organisations within the, the insurance market. So um, th we, we have a, a sort of insurance-wide sort of umbrella um, sort of um, committee called Inclusion at Lloyd's. Um, and that, 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 that kind of really sort of helps drive the diversity and inclusion agenda across the Lloyd's market. Um, part of the work that they've done is to create the, the Dive In Festival which this year will be its fifth year, so 2019 being uh, five years of dive in, and that that has really helped try and create a cultural shift and a mindset shift around diversity and inclusion within the insurance market. It started in um, 2015, um, just in London. You know, great events taking place there to really sort of get the conversation going, and we're looking at close to 30 countries for 2019. Wow. So, um, you know, having been having to deliver different events uh, and, and conversations in those countries, you know, that that's but that's the going back to what I said previously, we're empowering those countries to deliver something that will be relevant to their country and to relevant to their audience. We're not going to dictate to them. You know, we've got some great uh, events coming up for London and we've got some great ones going on in the UK, but we're not dictating for, you know, anywhere uh, at all. It's, what people want to see and what they feel will help change a mindset or change the way people view things as well. So the the, the festival is a really good um, opportunity to keep the conversation going. It happens during September. It happens, weirdly enough, during Inclusion Week, um, which, um, weirdly enough, it wasn't ever set up to do that. It, it <laughs> suddenly appeared to happen during these during that particular week. But... Um, and, and it, yes, it does, but, but what it also um, equips people to do is to continue that conversation 
throughout the rest of the year. So it's not just a one-hit wonder, which mm. I think sometimes um, you know we can have inclusion week or we can have an inclusion festival and and other things, and they they sometimes can end up being a bit of a one-hit wonder. You know, you do that once a year. Um, it's a bit like um, uh, you know you know certain like next for example, you know that they always have their sales at certain points, so people wait <laughs> for the sales rather than yeah. going and pay for everything on a full price. Yeah, um, it's like here. Oh, we'll only talk about DNI because dive in's coming up. No, what this does is it encourages that conversation throughout the year. So it's more like learning and filling up your your thought pot that you yeah. can then go and implement a flash. Yeah over the next year into yeah. your organisations. And the theme for this year, for 2019, is inclusion impact. So what impact can inclusion really make? What impact can you make to create an inclusive environment? So it could be around impact that an individual can make, um, a, a, a CEO can make, a court, a, an organisation can make, um, or even what can an industry make as well. So it's around that real impact. That, that can be made through that. So the, 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 the sort of fleet and suite of events that are taking place are really going to sort of home in on that that kind of key core topic as well. So, so really Lloyd's is not only do you do work with inside of Lloyd's around mm. uh, inclusion, diversity, but actually you're, you're almost helping the whole industry. Yeah, but, but, but the industry also helping themselves. So we yeah. get other organisations to work in collaboration. I think that's a real successful point is the collaboration element. Um, I, you know, if, if organisations are, are really working together, I don't see DNI as a competition. Mm. You know, it shouldn't be used as, well, you know, they're our competition in the business sense, so we shouldn't really do things in the DNI sense. And there are industries out there that can sometimes be seen to be doing that, you know, if they're, you know, the business sense, their competition. So for me, I, you know, I see DNI as, you know, the only thing that we should be concentrating on is that we all have people working for us. We all have customers of some aspect. We all have cultures within our organizations and if we can really share best practice support each other then we can we can ultimately help everyone you know through through the difference you know the conversations and the the activities that they achieve so even though we know that a great inclusive culture is actually a differentiator today in in 2019 yeah. kind of thing actually if we all collaborate together and that act of reciprocity if we give our best practice out there first then we will learn more back and yeah. therefore overall we'll be in a better place yeah absolutely and and you know it, it's yeah it, it's actually it, it's, it's constantly learning you're constantly learning and 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 changing so so you know as as diving has progressed that the conversation has always changed it's always been a a, a move in the dial um it's not always been the same sort of movement some some movements have been slightly uh, very small and then others have been much wider as well but yeah it, it is you know we work with organizations such as aon willis towers watson chubb um aig all of these great larger organizations that that really have their own passion for their own people, but also want to share that real expertise in a much wider audience as well. And that's, that's fantastic. I'm very conscious of time is yep. getting on today. It always does in our podcast, and our listeners probably don't say you say that every time, but it really does. Um, where do you see that the future of the this discussion going, and diversity and inclusion, what do you think are gonna be the, the big things of the next few okay. years? So. 
this is more on a personal level so I'm speaking on what I so me personally believe I don't, I don't mm. know other people will have different opinions and organisations have different but I and, I and I think this word has been muted around uh, quite a bit recently and, and I know it, in theory it's only been around 20-30 years but intersectionality is a real key um, topic and theme and reality that we need to be considering so uh, for me it's very much that we can't be, uh, we can't treat diversity inclusion as one dimensional aspect. So gender, disability, ethnicity, because we are mo- made up of multiple diversity strands. Okay. Yeah. I'm a white man who happens to be in his 40s. I know I don't look it. <laughs> um, Thank you for uh, filling my own mouth. With yeah, words. there we go. Um, <laughs> um I, I'm a gay man. Um, you know, uh, different different aspects of me are, are very different. You know, um, so it's about how we can you know capitalise and also allow people to have the confidence to bring all those differences um, out into the workplace. And that's that's why I'm quite passionate that when we are talking about. Um, you know, we always we have in the past, and you know, I, as a DNI practitioner and other DNI practitioners talk about, we talk about the 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 pale, stale male, which I hate that analogy. I really hate it. So do I, because I kind of fit the demographic. Yeah, but <laughs> but actually, we should be saying, you know, by saying that, we're slightly excluding that demographic. Mm-hmm. And what we should be doing is trying to to really pull out some of those differences that they may have, because not every pale, stale male, uh, dare I say it again, mm. um, are the same. They're not exactly the same. We don't. With that, all of a sudden, there wasn't a whole fleet of drones created or droids created mm. that all look the same. There's always going to be these differences. So I think it's about how we home in on all of those differences. And and, and I think we, we, we spoke um, off, off podcast earlier on about um, labels. Mm. You know, do they help or hinder? And, and I think, you know... They help in a certain aspect because they, they, you know, they, they can help channel certain view um, uh, pieces of work and, and views as well. But they can also hinder because then people get so stuck on one particular label to help or to do work on, whereby actually you should be looking much broader in that aspect as well. So I think yeah, intersectionality is going to be is going to be a real key point. But then I do. I do agree and I do accept that people will, who have maybe yet to start their journey or are still in their infancy or on their journey but doing it in a very different way might need to home in on certain key aspects but they need to be mindful for example is so you may be supporting your female development for example to increase gender um, um, representation at more senior level. Okay, but then you might move on to um, eth- uh, supporting uh, people from ethnic minorities. What I have seen um, evidence of from an organisation I've never worked for, but I've know through stories, is that what people automatically home in on is that once you start doing eth- um, development on ethnicity, the the common misconception within the organisation is that you instantly only nominate females from the ethnic minorities. Because you've already started gender development, so they think it's a, a lead on. Now, I, I agree that there needs to be, you know, p- women from ethnic minorities, but also we can't then exclude the men from ethnic minorities. Mm-hmm. 
So there which needs leads to be, back to intersectionality in which some leads ways, back doesn't to intersectionality it? Because you need to be more mindful that mm. yes, you're trying to improve gender develop uh, gender balance, but also if you're then moving on to ethnicity, we've got to be more open on that side of things and also you've got to be mindful even when you're looking at gender balance you've got to look at parts of your organization where the it, the imbalance is the other way mm. Let, uh, we have here at Lloyd's we have a PA network and uh, one of their one of their areas that looking at as part of their work and that's why they sit within one of our inclusion networks is they're looking at the balance of PAs that we have here an extreme heaviness of female PAs mm what we should be also looking at is where we can encourage more male PAs. Yeah, and likewise, uh, I know an FMCG company mm -hmm. that, that has sellers inside of um, department stores, 90% female. Yeah. And, and again, that's an imbalance because they sell men's yeah. products as well as female products. HR and comms and marketing are always, especially at senior level, are seen to have more female representation than male representation. Mm. So what are we doing to then readdress that balance? Because balance should be about balance either side. Mm. Um, and so if there are certain parts that are an imbalance one way, then we try to address it, and it also needs to come out the other way as well. And I do think intersectionality is, a, is, is the next level of complexity for DNI professionals and specialists to, to go for. It's almost like the next part of the journey kind of thing, because it can get quite complex. And, and you're right, it was the 1980s, wasn't it? Um, a lawyer in the US talking about a black woman in a certain situation. Mm -hmm. it, was, it, it, was, it wasn't the fact she was a woman, and it wasn't the fact that she was black. The fact she was a black woman had additional issues yeah. in that, that yeah. situation. So, so yeah, I, I totally agree with you. And I was at a conference last year, and, and of the, the HR community there, only about 27, 28% have actually, actually heard of intersectionality. And I think it so is the next part of the inclusion agenda. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I have to say, uh, Mark, that we've totally overrun our time. Okay, uh, fair which enough. Which is good. Um, I'm not going to edit anything out. We will keep it as it is kind of thing. But um, but thanks ever so much. I can feel that maybe my microphone will come back in the future and we'll talk about that labelling and not labelling. Yeah, I'm more than happy but, to expand on that. Yeah, so, and so thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Um, I do hope you got some takeaways from our chat today. I certainly did. I was scribbling away as we were talking. Um, keep your feed feedback coming back to us. It really helps us develop these podcasts at Tap Talks HR. And you can find out more at our website at tapsolutions.com. But thanks for listening and speak again soon. Bye.